want to lead us in a you know just a brief time of prayer. Um, there's no doubt it's been a heavy week. Um, there's no doubt that we come here this morning with a sense of hopefully God, we need you. And so um, I just want to press us into that a little bit. Um, the uh, and I want to say a couple of very specific things before. We pray the injustices that happened this week are an atrocity. Um, The black men killed at the hands of police. The police officers killed. All of these things we mourn together. Like, God never delights in death. Scripture says, God does not delight in the death, even of the wicked. And so... Um, and, and here's the other thing, is we come here and we celebrate around the gospel and we believe the gospel, the gospel never makes sin right. Hear that. The gospel doesn't come and make injustices right. It offers forgiveness and it offers a way forward. But it doesn't look back at those and say, you know what, those were okay. Um, and so I just want to walk us through um, a prayer in Isaiah 33. So I'll read a couple scriptures, give us some time to reflect together, um, and then read a couple scriptures, give us some time to reflect together on some specific themes, um, and then Rick will come up and we'll dive back into uh, Romans 15. Um, So uh, take a look at this first part in Isaiah 33, verse 2. Here's what it says. It says, The Lord be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation in times of trouble. And so I just want to go into a time um, where we just wait on God together. Um, and, and I want to just be, I want to say, if you want to pray out loud and voice a prayer, reflecting on this passage, you're free to do that. Um, if you just want to pray silently, you're free to do that as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and wait on God and ask him to strengthen us in the midst of trouble. Let's pray together. God, we need your grace. We come to you and ask for your strengthening power. Um, God, much of the life of faith is a life of waiting. And so we wait for you, recognizing that every morning, even this morning, um, you are our strength. And so we ask that you would strengthen us, strengthen your church, in the power of your grace, not in our own strength, that we would see you as a refuge this morning that we can come to in the midst of tumultuous times. I want to read uh, from Isaiah 33, 5 and 6. You can look up at the screen. Here's what it says. It says, The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high, 
He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, and he will be the stability of your times. That's what we need, right? As the church, as God's people, we need stability. We need strength. Um, Abundance of salvation, wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. I just want to take a minute to to worship God. Part of what the scripture promises us is the the reality of justice, the reality of, um, of righteousness, Um, as a promise. And even in the midst of these days where we don't experience righteousness, where we don't experience justice, um, even though we continue to fight for, recognize that one day God will grant that to us. So let's pray in that light. Let's worship God together in, in the hope of who he is and his promise of justice and righteousness. Father, we pray that you would be exalted. As this passage says, the Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. God, we humble our hearts and we worship you for you are God. You are on the throne. And we thank you for the promise of stability. We thank you for the, even the future promise of there come a day when there will be complete and full justice. There will be complete and full righteousness. So we depend on you, we look to you, we worship you. God, we want to see you as a treasure. We want our world to see you as a treasure. So we rest in who you are. Isaiah 33 continues. Look at what it says. It says, Behold, their heroes cry in the streets. The envoys of peace weep bitterly. The highways lie waste, the the travelers ceases, covenants are broken, cities are despised, there is no regard for man, the land mourns and languishes. Um, I want to, I think uh, recently Rick posted a blog about lamenting, um, which is basically taking our complaints to the Lord um, on behalf of our own hearts and the hurt in our own hearts, but also on behalf of of all that we've seen this week, all the injustices this week. And, and I just want to say this for a second. That, that um, phrase where it says, the envoys of peace weep bitterly. Um, that is powerful. Um, much of what we've seen this week are envoys of peace in the black community, envoys of peace that weep bitterly at the oppression, inequality that's present. And so I, I, want, I want to mourn and I want to lament, okay? Sure, there's areas that are right and wrong, and we could talk about both sides. But I just want to, I want to mourn I want to lament um, the pain and, and ask God to bring peace, to bring peace. Let's do that.
Father, your word says there's a time to mourn. And Lord, we recognize that oftentimes what we've seen this week is aspects where there's no regard for humanity, where the image of God in people is completely lost. And God, we've seen envoys of peace weep bitterly. God, from the black community, from law enforcement, God, um, God, I pray, I, I weep and I mourn for those lost, the five officers that were lost, the Baldwin officer. Um, God, I mourn for the African-American men who lost their lives. I pray for those, all of the families involved. God, that you would restore the reality that we're image bearers. And what it looks like for us to weep bitterly with, with those who weep. So, Lord, we lament together. We bring our complaints to you, looking to find trust in you. The passage continues. Now I will arise, says the Lord. Now I will lift myself up. This is awesome. There's hope in the midst of this. Now I will lift myself up. Now I will be exalted. The Lord in majesty will be for us, a place of broad rivers and streams where no galley with oars can go, no majestic ship can pass, for the Lord is our judge. This is our hope. And this is who we are as God's people to go into the world. For the Lord our God, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Let's pray. And rest in this hope, and then Rick is going to come up and lead us in the word. Father, we thank you for the promise that you save. And that you are God, and that in the midst of this, what an unbelievable opportunity for us to be your people of hope be your people that run hard to listen to the oppressed, to listen to the hurting, and offer hope. So God, thank you. Thank you for the promise to save. We rest in you this morning, for you are God, and you will save. Pray these things in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Uh, so if you have your Bible, you can open it to Romans 15. That's where we're going to be this morning, where we've been in the last few weeks. Um, I apologize for my voice, but I think it might be a metaphor. I'll let you guys figure out what that metaphor might be. I'll tell you later if you really want to know. Um, so Romans 15... Uh, this is a beautiful verse, and, and I want to say before we get started here that um, we decided to preach on Romans fifteen seven about today. We, we decided that we would preach on it today about, what, two and a half months ago, Dave, right? Um, and I think that's kind of providentially cool of our God to, to do that. Um, so let's just... Uh, Let's dig right in. Romans fifteen seven says this. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Uh, very simple verse, and um, 
Uh, really cool verse, I think, to memorize. One of the, if you remember, when we talked uh, in a series earlier this, this year about the spiritual disciplines, we talked about Bible intake. And one of the disciplines of Bible intake is scripture memorization. This would be a really good one to memorize. And the other part about the fact that it's a really good one, it's also really easy to memorize. It's very simple. Um, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. There are three parts to this verse. First, welcome one another. Um, Whenever you come to Scripture, it's good to ask a few questions. And one of the questions that it's good to ask all the time, is there a command here for me to see or a command here for me to to do? The answer to to that question in this verse is yes. What do you think it is? Welcome each other. We are to welcome one another. Um, and we're going to spend most of our time this morning thinking about the idea of welcome and studying that Greek word uh, that is translated in the ESV as, as welcome. But how are we to welcome is the second part of this verse, as Christ welcomed you. And we'll spend most of our time dealing with that one because it's, it's the, the heart of the verse. And what motivates the command for us is to welcome as Christ has welcomed us. And we need to understand and know how Christ has welcomed us. And then lastly, is for the glory of God. Um, everything that we do, all that we are, as we obey Scripture, we're bringing attention, bringing glory to God. We become a commercial for who God is. And I believe that the gospel teaches us and this verse teaches us that the single greatest way that we can be an advertisement for God is to welcome people as Christ has welcomed us. And there is In my lifetime, I can't remember a more vital time for us to adhere to this command, to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us for the glory of God. Because the fact is, in our day, the the day in which we live, our world is seeking answers to a question that those answers just don't exist outside of Christ. And a world that is denying Christ and running from Christ and, and self-fulfillment and, and, and trying to get and gain all that we're trying to get and gain for self, these answers don't exist outside of Christ. That underscores this verse. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So let's examine this idea of welcome. I've studied this word a lot and the 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 worlds in which this, so a, there's a seminary term called semantic domain, and it's semantic is having to do with words, and domain is, is having to do with where things live. The semantic domain of where this particular word lives is vast, all right? So when it appears in this context, it can mean this. So in this neighborhood, this word means this. In this neighborhood, this word means this. Throughout the, not just scripture, but language, This word means this, the semantic domain possibilities, the range of this word, are to take near, to hold close to the chest. Let me say that again. The the word welcome can mean to hold close to the chest. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Hold close to the chest one another as Christ has held you close to his chest. That's That's powerful. The the next one is allow into the inner circle. Think about that. Christ has allowed you into his inner circle. And this Romans 15 has commanded you to go and do the same in your culture, in your your society, on your block, in your 
in your school, in your, all of, of who you are, all of that's happening in your world, allow into the inner circle. And then the last one, the semantic domain that I found, is, is full acceptance. Most every other time that this word is found in Scripture is translated as acceptance. Think about ex- full acceptance. Think about the, the idea of, of acceptance. Think about the semantic domain of acceptance. Where else does that word appear and what does it mean? Think about, like when I think about this word, I think about high school. I think about freshman year of high school. I think about the nervousness that was within me that first, when you walk into high school for the first time and you're, you're completely overcome with this depth of like, I am, am I going to be accepted or am I not? And it like, it destroys, you can't think of anything else, right? Are you with me? To, to be welcomed by Christ is to be fully accepted and not just be fully accepted, but, but to experience it and interact with it. Um, it's really, really cool. So this week, as I, as I processed through the semantic domain and, and looked into Scripture and, and read and studied and journaled, um, I wrote down these things, and I want these, uh, these words to just wash over you of what it means to be welcomed by Christ. In all of your flaws and failures, Christ has welcomed you. He has accepted you fully. You are more sinful than you can ever know, and you are more accepted than you can ever hope to be. Your relationship status with God is secure. It will never be more secure. It will never be tenuous. You will never not be welcomed. I can't, I can't get past that. To be welcomed by Christ means you will never, ever not be welcomed. That's, like, that's great news. You'll never not be welcomed. Makes my heart sing, right? His love is eternal and steadfast and completing. It will never and doesn't ever need to change. You are always welcomed into the presence of God. Let me say that one again. You are always welcomed in the presence of God. Don't let your enemy lie to you and say that for some reason, for some time, for some season, you're not welcomed in the presence of God. Your sin, your failures, your, your everything has been paid for and accomplished. It's finished and secure. It's not tenuous. You are always welcomed into the presence of God. Never, ever for a second don't believe that. This is the most wonderful news that has ever been proclaimed. You are fully accepted. This is the gospel, and this is what it means to be welcomed. Um, But for us to welcome one another in that way is impossible. As with most commands in Scripture, they are impossible for us. It is impossible for you to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Do you know why? Because you're not God. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that God lays upon us commands that we cannot attain 
And then he comes alongside and gives us grace to attain them and gives us grace when we do not attain them. Um, I've put in my phone every, I think it's Wednesdays at 6.20 p.m., my phone will go off an alarm that says, pray for God to give you grace to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Do you realize the tool that you have in your smartphone? Use it. You have, like, you could probably put hundreds of alarms to go off at specific times throughout the week. And this is your culture, your neighbors, your Facebook friends, your parents, your children, your brothers and sisters need you to welcome them as Christ has welcomed the church because the question that our culture is asking has but one answer, Jesus Christ. And when we try to engage in any other capacity, we fail. But, but the beautiful part about that is that Christ's command for us to welcome the church as Christ to welcome each other, as Christ has welcomed us, is an act of love. Let me show you that. Examples of Christ's welcoming. In Luke chapter 15, we see four different ways. Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him, to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. This man receives sinners and eats with them. What if you received the other side and ate with the other side? Because that's Christ. Welcome one another as Christ welcomed you, commands you, commands you to do this. To engage people who think and believe differently than you believe and think. Then Jesus tells these people who had a problem with him three stories. The first one is Luke 15, 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for what? For I found my, lo- my sheep that was lost. We've heard this verse, this series of verses, hundreds of times. I want you to, I'm going to read it again from the context of what I've just said about Romans 15, 7. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And look at, look at how Christ, his welcoming isn't just sitting by his front door with his door open saying, hey, thanks for coming. Christ is, is, is chasing this sheep. Look at, welcome one another. Has Christ has welcomed you? Here's Christ welcoming you. And this is what it means to welcome you. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after that one that is lost until he finds it? Go after that one that is lost until he finds it. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders. See that picture of of the Christ laying these, these people that have been on our news feeds on his shoulders. 
rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my lost sheep. Do you know that what it means to welcome you is to throw a party when you come? The next one, same story, different context. And by the way, that's life. Same story, different context. For all of your life, since Cain killed Abel. Same story, different context. I want you to think about that one. Luke 15, 9. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. So there's Christ's welcome is a seeking and then a rejoicing when it's found. The fourth one, verse 20 of Luke 15. And this is the really famous one, the prodigal son story. Same story, different context. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. This is the son who had legally divorced his dad and took a big share of his wealth and ran away and squandered it because he was selfish. And that person is welcomed by the father by being embraced and pursued and kissed. Like, think about that. To be welcomed by Christ is to be embraced and pursued and kissed. To be pursued by Christ. And that's great for us to, like, sit here in in this church and with, you know, comfortable to welcome as Christ is welcome is not just to, to embrace and kiss, but it's to pursue. <clears throat> I think we're really good at em- embracing and kissing, but we're not so good at pursuing. I know I'm not. Verse 21, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This kid didn't understand what welcomed means. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's not true and will never, ever be true of the sons of God. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. To welcome as Christ has welcomed is to pursue and then to celebrate when we, when we accept and feel and, and we connect. Do you see that? Um, I want to end with uh, more about what it means for Christ to welcome us. Three things, they're in your bulletin, they'll be on the screen as well. How Christ has welcomed us. Christ has welcomed you as a sinner. Um, Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows, that word also demonstrates or proves in other pieces of scripture and it really means to place within your reach. But God places within our reach his love. 
that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Do we see that like it... You don't have to... We're, the command is not to welcome those who believe like you. The command is not to welcome those who are, have things figured out and straight. Christ welcomed you as a sinner, rebellious from him. And he placed his love in a place where we could interact with it while we were still sinners. The way that you welcome people has nothing to do with them and only to do with what Christ has put in you. The second thing, how Christ has welcomed you. Christ has welcomed you because of his grace and not your work. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk on them. Two things for us to see here about welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. There is nothing that needs to be present in the one to whom you welcome, period. And what is necessary in you to welcome them has been placed there by God in this moment. That's what it means. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has crafted and shaped you through the gospel, through your engagement with the gospel, through your understanding of who you are and who he is and what that relationship means. God has crafted you specifically and purposefully to be this in this world. Like God could have done anything he wanted to to spread and teach his gospel. What he chose to do was you. Do like I, I, can't, my, I say that all the time, and my mind can't get past it. God could have done whatever he wanted to do to spread the gospel. His decision, and he is God, so it was a, likely a really good decision. Thank you for the chuckle, Al. His decision was to choose you to be that. And I, I think it's like, I came up here and talked about my voice as a metaphor. It's, it's broken. It doesn't work right and it hurts. And I'm, I've probably squeaked and you've probably chuckled already today, this morning. But, but that's, that's the picture of you. You're broken and you're failed and it hurts and it squeaks and it's just not right. And you need water to keep you can, going on. But ultimately, God's plan was broken people to proclaim his message of truth, his beautiful message of truth, broken people to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Be this. Lastly, the third thing way that I want to share with you of how Christ welcomed you is fully and completely. For Christ also suffered once 
for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. The point of Christ's death and resurrection, the point of the gospel, is you being brought to God. Is this full and complete, non-tenuous acceptance in who he is. And I think there's so many cool words in this 1 Peter 3, 18. But I think the coolest one is once. Think about that with me. Christ also suffered once. It's finished. If it needed to happen again, Jesus would do it again. But it doesn't need to happen again. It happened once. And the point of it is full and complete approachability to the Father. Engagement with the Father. Every single longing that we have ever had finds its complete fulfillment in our engagement with God the Father. Our longing that this world is moaning for, for justice, does not find its peace in nice people. It doesn't find its peace in anything else other than complete engagement with God. We're desperate for justice. We'll kill for it. But it finds its only culmination in God alone. And we've been given that message and experienced that message fully and completely once and for all. And now the command is to go into this world and proclaim it. This, this is the, the, there's so many awful things happening, but so many incredible things happening. Do you know that this world is ripe, desperate people want, needing to hear this? And without the, the awful tragedy... People's minds are not ready to hear this, but they are. It's ripe. Desperate people desperately looking for some glimmer of hope, and you have it. This is so important. We sang already today, you work all things together for my good. God's job is to work awful, miserable death, violence, injustice, awfulness to work it together for his good and i'm i'm naive enough to believe that these things that are happening in our culture god has a purpose for them and a plan to redeem them to redeem the broken and to make his name known and that's the command for us what god is god's plan is to take that beautiful notion and use you to to spread it it's ridiculous and incredible. This is how God has welcomed you. And the command for us is to welcome one another for the glory of God. There's nothing that you can say to any human being that's any better than I welcome you, I accept you, I hold you near to my chest. I bring you into my inner circle because that's what Jesus did for me. 
Let's, uh, let's pray and uh, respond. <clears throat> you are a wonderful God, and I'm a miserable, broken failure. But Lord, somehow in your perfect plan, you have decided to use each of us broken jars of clay to proclaim your incredible, life-changing, life-fulfilling, joy-giving truth to this world, Father. And I pray that you would give us the grace that's necessary to proclaim that truth in the venues that you've called us to proclaim it, Father. Your gospel is so beautiful, and I am infatuated and content with it, God. God, may you use us to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us for your glory. In Christ's perfect name, amen.